1: Hi, I'm Phil Craig. And I'm Andrew Loney. And together we aim to bring you the most scandalous stories and some of the most scandalous people in history. So thanks for joining us here on the Scandalmongers podcast. Well, hello, here we are again. Andrew. Indeed, for a bit of mudlocking. Welcome. Welcome, and... uh... Marie, welcome.
0: Welcome to me. Hi, how Hi.
1: are you doing? Uh, well, I'm, I'm very impressed because you're the first person who's ever done any homework. Really? Before coming on the show. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that,
0: includes
2: me- <laughs> <laughs> that includes us. That includes us.
0: It's mainly in my head. It's just in case my mind starts wandering. And
2: but I it's lie. also the first time we've worked with artefacts
1: rather than with yeah, we have with props in the st- I feel like yeah. a Blue Peter presenter from yeah, the 90s. Really? Yes. Six of the other I you think look maybe like with more one. references to the word anal than appeared often <laughs> are, in Blue Peter. Yeah, there, yes. there are, Well, that's there. why it's called Blue Peter, wasn't it? Oh well, there, there's another episode we haven't done. <laughs> yeah, Blue Peter. Exactly. No, before, before we rush ahead, because we're always yeah. rushing ahead. Yeah. Um, Mary Louise Plum mm-hmm. is a mudlarker. Mm-hmm. Mudlark. Um, I've got to say, mudlark. She's a mudlark. Yeah. Well, t- yeah. Um, and she's got. What's the t- verb for that?
0: Mudlark.
2: too mudlark. To- oh, too Yeah. No, not you don't. Not mudlarking.
0: Well. You can mudlark. I am, I go mudlarking.
2: Right. Um,
0: I am a mudlark. Right. Uh, so it's uh, interchangeable. Right. You know? But people recently have started calling themselves mudlarkers. Yes.
2: yes. Which you feel the detectorists is, yeah. a little bit.
0: If you've ever seen it, we are very much like uh, the Detectorists. We have very particular um, <laughs> habits and we have very particular hang-ups. And you have and gangs. There are, so there are some gangs. We do generally get on, but there are some people and who don't get We should get explain to people are wondering what we're, what we're talking
1: about. Mm. Oh. What is mudlocking? Oh, 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 oh of yeah. course. So, Does anybody mm,
0: know? I can tell you. But yes, oh, yeah? So mudlarking, originally, mudlarking, um, the term was coined at the end of the 18th century, and it described people who made their living <clears throat> by going down to the River Thames <clears throat> when the tide was out and foraging for things they could find to then sell on. So they were literally looking for items of saleable value to try and earn a crust. If you fast forward about 100 years, mudlarking or mudlarkers mudlarks, we go down to the foreshore for fun and we go and find items of historical uh, interest and importance. And so the tide in the the Thames, it goes out twice a day. Uh, We head down to the foreshore and um, we find bits and bobs. Have you been down this morning? I haven't been down this morning. In fact, I don't know what the tides are today. It's uh, but I tend I tend to avoid weekends because the hobby has grown in popularity. It's um so much so actually that we have permits to go to go down and search the foreshore. The issuing of permits has been paused. Right Gosh. now, so but, no one. Can... And are
2: they enforced? I mean, how do people know that someone's got a permit?
0: They are enforced. Well, there are a number of ways. You have very vocal mudlarks who have been doing this for a very long time, and if they recognise people they don't know, um, they might get involved and say summary justice. Have you have you got your permit? And you know that kind of thing. There are boats that patrol, so the PLA patrol the river, um, and the police, the river police, patrol the river. And if they they do random spot checks.
2: And is this um, just in the Thames, or are there other rivers which are equally sort of uh, profitable? Should we say? Yeah,
0: no, there are there are other places you can go. So any tidal river, really. So I've been to the Mersey estuary, um, to Mudlark, but the Thames is where it's at. You know, that's it's Around two thousand years of settlement, well, and, and beyond. You know, prehistory. Um, but it's just, yeah, the Thames is this really pulsing kind of big artery of london that was used so much more than it is today
2: and are there We've better had... bits of the thames and others i mean
0: yes um you don't give i away might your get secrets. a bit secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like or where would east. you
2: not find anything
0: um well me, personally, I wouldn't find much west because uh, it pays to have a metal detector. If you go west, I'd like to go east. I go central. Um, there are specific patches on the foreshore where you'll find nothing as well um, because of uh, the terrain. Um, so the yeah. terrain's important
2: in terms of... Because, I mean, if you've got mm. a Roman artifacts coming up, it clearly mm. must be very soft mud, isn't it? Or, yeah, or quite so, impacted mud, which is now...
0: So the 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 layer that... People like to look for is that really dark kind of London, almost like London clay kind of mud, squelchy mud, and things are rowed out. You find things among amongst the silt and the um, like. There's some stony bits, but you, you, you know it's um, yeah, it's the mud you're looking for because that washes away with the tides, and then things come up. Gosh!
1: So everybody That's out there is listening to us is saying, "What this got to do with scandals?" I thought this podcast was oh, about yes. scandals, but it says here in my bit of paper, sleaze. <laughs> Corruption and vice, three of our favourite words, Absolutely, by the way. Absolutely, yeah. Through mudlarking. Mm. Um, so, do um, you know whether you've you chronology or just on the well, basis you, of the more kind of scurrilous objects?
2: I mean, you have artifacts. I think you've got a story behind each of the artifacts. I have don't
0: you? artifacts here and um, a bonus one without a story that's just a bonus. Um, we can kind of skip around from artifact to artifact because one sort of leads into the other. Let's do it. Um, let's go with a really obvious one first, obvious in that it's, um, kind of grotesque. So I'm just going to pass you this lead, uh, uh well, a pewter alloy object. It's incomplete. looks like a does, whistle. It does look like a whistle, but I wouldn't put that anywhere near your mouth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it goes somewhere else. <laughs> it goes
0: very much somewhere else. Oh my so, God,
2: it's heavy, isn't it?
0: It's very heavy. It's a lead alloy uh, mix. God, I wouldn't so, want to put that
2: anywhere near any part of my body. No. Oh, sorry.
0: Um, that's
2: really- and you found this?
0: This is in, in the Thames, or it's exactly where, but it's what it is is a syringe. It's quite a heavy duty syringe. You can see there, there's a, a hole on the side of it where it's been worn away, and you can see just the plunger. So it's all kind of fused together because it's been in the river so long. But that is the end of the syringe. It would have had a plunger, which is there. And this was actually used um for the treatment of syphilis, this syringe.
2: Because I mean I think one of the interesting things you said is something like yeah. a quarter of the population had syphilis by the age in, of thirty five. In
0: London, uh it's one in five people, one in five Londoners by the time they reach their thirty-fifth birthday. And I think that's conservative conservatively worked out that twenty percent of Londoners would have been suffering from some kind of venereal disease. And in they what were what
1: century is this?
0: Um this was well, this syringe here is the eighteenth eighteenth century. Um uh, the scandalous Georgians again. Yeah. Yeah, naughty old Georgians, but it does span. I mean, there's there's a long, big span it, it would be um, of consistent time going back as well. Yeah, going back as well, and I think I made a note somewhere about mercury. Mercury first being understood as although it's a poison, it can be used uh, as a cure as well. I guess like um, opium, laudanum and so. where have so you have
1: the grotesque medical details oh, yeah. that, where would that go <laughs> this it is embarrassing is. bodies isn't it <laughs> <what>? this <laughs> is
0: embarrassing <laughs> bodies pump mercury into yourself yes this is it. urethral syringe so this is for for a man who has spent one night with Venus and a lifetime with Mercury is is the saying. <laughs> I love it. So that. yeah, so a, a chap who you know would have come maybe from a boat, spending a night in Southwark, particularly that was the area where all the fun and games were going on—bear baiting, um, the plays, the prostitute, you know, brothels, stews. So yeah, I mean, syphilis, gonorrhea—it was kind of raging. You know, lots of lots of people suffered from
2: whatever the class. I mean.
0: I think so, yeah, whatever the class. Um, there is actually quite, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, but um, yeah, whatever the class. So this um, this mercury uh, solution, I'm not sure what the actual, you know, I, I don't know what goes into it, mercury for sure, and then it would be injected uh, into the urethra. I, I've seen actually, while doing some research, I think I've seen a female one as well, which is goes obviously inside a woman it has some holes in the end you can just have kind them of, like squirt it up okay. <laughs> i guess but, I mean, no uh,
2: way
1: to delicately
0: civilized say it elegant yeah that wasn't in the Jane this Olsen's is a down the other ones yeah no it's um mm. and
2: it's like a guide to all the things you might find on the river because i mean if no. you saw a strange shape it could be anything i mean yeah. if you didn't know what that was you yeah. might just say well that's a you know Something there, else and chuck it back in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, that has happened a number of times, actually. Not just to me, but um, that has happened. Yeah, there isn't so much a guide, but there's a lot of reading and a lot of learning that you have to do. I've been doing this for almost seven years. And, you, you know, when I first started, I was taking absolutely everything home, just like stuff that I wouldn't look at twice now, but you do learn. Um, obviously, there's reading. People, people turn to the internet a lot, but it pays to buy books, read old articles you know a and we can learn a lot about history
1: and what life was really like from these finds, I'm guessing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is, I mean, it's real social history. You're like piecing together how Londoners lived, how they went about their daily life and, you know... Um, and mudlock
2: sorry to yeah, drop, but no. once you've got this stuff, you just keep yeah. it at home or do you share it? I mean, are there we websites? We share it. Yeah. So
0: I say we. So I'm part of a group called Hands On History and every year we have exhibitions um, across venues such as St Paul's Cathedral, National Maritime Museum. We go into some of the livery guilds in London, and we get around seventy mudlarks, and we share our finds with the public. They come in and have a look,
2: and, and um, they belong to you. And we know some of them valuable. I mean, well, if you find coins, for example,
0: technically they don't belong to us. We are the custodians, but the Port of London Authority and the Crown actually own this stuff. So we are allowed to. Rem- so. <laughs> Maybe scandalous. Well, quite, right. quite a few royals maybe yeah, needed treatments of but, that kind. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially now. I mean, anyone's free to borrow this stuff. They need it. Um, yeah. No, they. Well, Harry's tried most own. things. Oh yes, Harry. Well, there we are. He might like to have a go on these. I don't know. Um, yeah, we we don't own this, but right. we're custodians. Um, uh, I guess. Are you
1: obliged because you're given a license? Yeah to give something back, maybe to make a report or do a talk? We
0: do, we do actually. There is, um, depending on what the item is, the general rules are if it's over 300 years old and of significant historical interest, we take these finds in. So I've got an appointment in a couple of weeks with the Museum of London, which is currently closed for four years. But I go in and I record my finds on a scheme called the Portable Antiquities Scheme, which is set up by the British Museum. And it, it Keeps a record of what we're finding in London, which is obviously a reference to to archaeologists, to academics, to people searching, you know, to historians. Um, but yes, so we record this stuff there. If we find treasure... Which is technically treasure under the Treasure Act. So a hoard, for example, um, of gold gold or silver. Yeah, it has to be a certain amount of uh, gold or silver or precious metal content, and a certain number of items. So a hoard, I think, constitutes. I think it's over three or four coins together. Um, Then we have to send whatever we find. We declare it. We send it away to the coroner. They may have it for maybe two years or something. It takes takes a while. Um, Generally, yeah, the coroner coroner has to. So the coroner for the Treasure Act, um, I don't know what kind of coroner. You know, I only think about coroners when, the, Bodies, when there's a death-related yeah. thing. They um, assess the item, check out, make sure it is of uh, value, the, the metal content, all that kind of stuff. And I, so pres- I guess they do paperwork about the find spot. and.
2: But they're presumably people who just keep quiet. They find something nice. Yeah. and there's Presumably, a, is there yeah. a sort of underground black market?
0: Um, so... I would say, and I mean, you might think obviously I'd say this, but mudlarks, all in all, are fairly honest, scrupulous people. So they don't sell their fines. We all generally know each other. So anyone, a licensed mudlark will not sell their fines. Um, They wouldn't keep that hidden. I think it does happen. It certainly happens in the antiques trade. Um Maybe I should say I don't know of any actual um, You don't, know, get, you you don't, don't know, know of this. any antique dealers. dealers, no. I <laughs> but I, I've heard allegedly it happens in the antique trade. But I also heard that uh, when when this happens, it's really hard to then sell something on right. because people are aware of it. But there have been actually a number of stories recently uh, on BBC News or whatever news channels people uh, selling stuff and being prosecuted, oh, not mudlocks. I
1: think we should move on to the um, next... uh, Staying staying firmly below the waist, I
0: think. Staying firmly below the waist. Actually, yes, I must remember to tell you this... this, joke later later but we can get on to i it like a the bit. venus yeah. and
1: mercury gag <laughs> the
0: venus and mercury is great and actually mock who you had on a couple of weeks ago when we did a show to get we did a, a mudlarking program together and his version was eros and mercury oh. so i wonder yeah because obviously mocks gay gay man so he said eros and mercury and i said oh that's funny because i i know it's venus and mercury but um anyway that's the gag so let's move on to another intriguing <laughs> probe like <laughs> another probe like object this is uh okay it's made of bone um it's a long um sticky thing with a hole down the center it's got something that looks like threads on it but they're not actually threads oh, yeah. those circular concentric circles it looks like it could be a chess piece yeah that is just again it's a fragment of a much longer item uh, again it's not a whistle and i wouldn't uh, put that anywhere Near any any part of you apart from your hands which you can wash. <laughs> it's um but It has been in the water for quite a long time. It ha- Yeah, no, it has been in the water. <laughs> it's another it's another medical um object. So it's eighteenth century again. And okay, this is what, maybe two and a half inches of this thing that I've got. It would have actually been about that long, Gosh, uh, yeah. which is what, ten inches or something. And it's part of um procedure, a smoke enema procedure, which in the 18th century, again, and I think it's got origins in Mayan uh, culture. No, it's called tobacco. Tobacco. It's a tobacco smoke oh, I enema. I see, I hadn't realised. Yeah. So it was used, it would be inserted in the rectum. And smoke would be blown. I did blown. promise rude words. Let's
1: yeah. just, I mean, we are going to deliver. <laughs> we do
0: deliver. Well, they're kind of they're tame rude words, yes, aren't they? Yeah. And B- not really body, body words, medical terms. Um, yes, so inserted um, up the what's it. And uh, smoke then pumped. smoke pumped into you to for cure, pleasure? So... Well, not for pleasure. This is, um, it was um, to cure iliac Oh, I was thinking, people.
1: Were, I'm sure vodka enemas were a thing once. Oh
0: yeah, could be. Maybe Whatever, with for, just for, you know, with, yeah, know why, yeah it could be. For people <laughs> with some rock and rollers. Um, yeah, That's such a treat stillness. They treated something called iliac passion, which I'd never heard of before. But I think it's basically when your I think it's when your intestines twist, oh, or something, or your your colon twists so and quite cool. it's inverted. Well, I.
2: In fact, we've got all these. Did it work?
0: Funny you say that quite common. I know three other people who have got one of these, broken in the same way. And this was a mystery item for ages. I've done videos about it. Like, what is this item? You know, none of us knew. They're all they were, you know, universally sized. Then along comes Yasha, a mudlark, and she prized one, a complete one from the mud. Oh, how amazing. So and I say a complete one, actually it's part of a much bigger contraption that has lots of twisty turny bits you add onto it and a, Spinny thing and a something else. It's that when they first were made, they were really basic and they'd use a pig's bladder to um, put put the smoke in to inflate with smoke and they'd squeeze the bladder, and it, it was quite a you know, a sticky thing and a bladdery thing, squeeze of smoke, goes in. Interior hot water bottle. Interior, yeah. And later on, they became a bit more complicated with bits you'd screwed in. And anyway, Yasha found a complete nozzle. So not the whole thing, but it's, so the nozzle um, would then kind of, is like pipe shaped. And then at the end, it would have a bulbous bit with holes in for the smoke to come out.
2: And what repair are we talking about here?
0: (laughs) I know about the 18th century ones. I think it is the 18th century, really. But as I said, I think it comes from Mayan culture. Um, so it's been, tobacco smoke has been used for hundreds, thousands of years.
2: And, and um, who did, I mean, who did the process? Could you, it's a bit like going to sort just of a, a physician,
0: a medical right. physician. So uh, I, I like the fact that Thomas, Thomas Sydenham is one of our, I think he was nicknamed the father of English medicine. He was nicknamed the English Hippocrates. Oh, yeah. um, he was quite a character in that he did he he was never a member of the Royal College of Physicians. He was a bit of an outsider. And Sydenham really bigged these up. He liked these smoke enemas. And actually, I've got a quote here, if I could just find it, because it's quite a... But well, while minute. you're
1: looking for your quote, I, I guess Rustling of we, we might like to look down on their primitive ways yeah, and silly ideas. But, I mean, you know, check out Gwyneth Paltrow's website. Yes. Yes. Z- doing weird things to parts of your body. Yes. Perhaps yes she's she's in a long tradition series. of nutters. <laughs> Steaming.
0: Yeah. Steaming a vaginal steam, wasn't it? Or that was, that was years ago. And then just recently a Kardashian has come out with… Um, God. Pineapple gummies to promote better tasting and smelling. Well, really, after this podcast, part. it may yeah. become even
2: more popular. So, <laughs> how do these get that. in the river? I mean,
0: what? well, I think just um, people going about their daily business. You know, some things were chucked in because the river was for years and years and years a, a dump. You yeah. know, um, our sewers ran into them. Obviously, sometimes, although I don't. Uh, really like telling people this all the time they do when there's an overflow, there's Still. a storm, storm drains um, do sometimes go into Well, that's a big scandal the, in this country of well, a different kind, isn't yeah. it, at the moment? Big, the rivers, big scandal. Whenever there's any
1: rain, they just have to let all the... Yeah, the Tem-
0: Thames water, yeah. But anyway, uh, but yeah, it was treated as a big rubbish dump. Um, but But then you've got to think that it was said at one point in history you could cross the Thames by hopping over the boats side, you know, north to south because it was just so congested. And so you've got people getting on getting off boats things dropping off them coins dropping out of pockets buttons we find a lot of buttons and we find lots of things like trade related items trade beads shells ballast that comes from other countries um through trade um yeah, I was
2: just trying so, to. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm just, while you're yeah. looking, but I'm just wondering how a historian could extrapolate from these finds particular things. Here we have getting medical, a new insight into social life and, and medical treatment. Yeah. But what are the other sort of areas of exploration that sort of come from what's found by mudlots?
0: Um, well, I suppose. I mean, that... you talk
2: about trade. I mean, would we get some sense, you know, of, of who was trading in London, for example?
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it is tricky because the finds are out of context. So they've they've ended up in the river. Um, there is context, I suppose, because of the types of areas. You know what was happening in those areas. For example, Southwark. You know that there was lots of um, playhouses, bear baiting, that kind of. That was night light, nightlife, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of tricky to put a firm. Um, it's it's. So draw too many to draw too, ma- too, to many. Draw yeah. too many inferences yeah. because things move around. I mean, there might, you know, what's actually odd is the other day I went to Deptford and I found a boot there that I had found two weeks ago and it was still there. It was, you know, so if you think there's two tides a day, the Thames is coursing through London. It's it's a fast flowing river, but there are things that remain in the same place. Other things that move about. Um, I found my quote. This is, uh, so this is um, Thomas Sydenham, who was an English, uh, the English Hippocrates. He was a Puritan, so he didn't like to work on dissecting bodies, which I think is interesting in itself. Um, so he described, um, so this is him talking about the tobacco smoke enema. He says, I conceive it most proper to bleed first in the arm and an hour or two afterwards to throw up a strong purging clister. Now, clister is um, an anal treatment of flushing out your bum, basically, your colon. I know of none so strong and effectual as the smoke of tobacco forced up through the large bladder into the bowels by an inverted pipe, which may be repeated after a short interval if the former, by giving a stool, does not open a passage downwards. Well, there you go. There
2: you go. So Much this eminent... This, <laughs> it, it, all these spas along the...
0: This, yeah, I mean, this eminent position who is, who is created... Uh, um, you know, people do hold him in high regard, had these kind of weird... So well, the
1: river, because you talk a lot about the, the Liberty and the Stews mm. and obviously certain parts of the river, yeah. um, I think Southwark being yeah. the most important one, were famous for sort of houses of ill repute and Lord brothels and, and parties and theatres. But also, clearly there's... Other activities, there's medical people are working
0: there. Yeah. There's all sorts of kind of like respectable people going about their business. Absolutely. I mean, the, the interesting thing about the liberties, and there were five liberties in Southwark, and the two that I mainly know about, there's the Liberty of the Clink, where you find the Clink uh, prison, which is open to this day. and You can go and, you know, it's a museum now. Um, but there was the Mint, um, which goes down to the river. So, um, yeah, people... Used to finish their respectable jobs in the day and then hop over. Into Southwark by night. So say they were working in the city, like and lawyers, it's a liberty or, because different
1: laws apply.
0: Different laws apply. It was outside the the walls of the city, um, uh-huh. so therefore it was outside the jurisdiction of the City of London. So anything went. I guess it was a bit like a rookery, which was a slum so, so like in going that to way. Vegas maybe. So. Yeah, going to just like completely lawless. So it was, you know, a dangerous area where where crime was right like Freeport. A what a freeport. a freeport! Yeah, yeah. I mean, think the thing is, even though it was kind of rough and ready, and and crime happened, it was also a, a haven for free thinkers and rebellious people, and you know, there was bohemian lifestyles. It was an interesting place. It's where um, the theatres sprang up, like the Curtain, the Swan, um, the Globe. So, yeah, it was very, very interesting indeed. In fact, I could. Let's have another, we could run let's into another one. this area. I'll save those. So I'm going to just pass you some coins. They jump about in age. There's very, very tiny ones here, which are about a centimetre. These are
1: all found in, by you. These
0: are all found by me. They're all silver.
1: Okay.
0: Um, They're all hammered coins. So they were a, a blank coin face and they were struck with a die. Gosh. And that's why they're called hammered coins. So they they would be... um.
2: God, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, yes, you can, yeah. amazing. You could just find this. Sixteenth so right? century.
1: So this is Tudor.
0: Yep, some of them are Tudor. Um, I didn't bring it all so up, of them. Silver
1: halfpenny. Yeah, could have been an Amblerins person. But what's yeah. your equipment then? You've got your
2: your, your metal detector, no, and then it's just your I just don't your, detect. So you're just your fingers, I just mean,
0: my eyes, and my knowing where things are, knowing the history of the foreshore, where things might turn up, and knowing everything. Everything really is sorted by size, weight. Um, and type. So you find, if you find a modern penny, you might find older pennies. You know, you've got to always think of like the physics of how the the objects move around in the water.
2: And what are the sort of other things that you find? Sorry. Um, 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 You know, you talk about finding modern pennies and presumably there are a lot of those.
0: Uh, Yeah, there are, but they, because we make, Uh, Our pennies, out of really crappy material, they corrode. Um, They're all alloys. These are silver, and, you know, more often than not, we find them, these older pennies, we find them complete. Um, I've got a, this is a bit of an aside here, but I've got a Spanish cob coin here. They're referred to as pirate cobs. I don't think they are pirate coins, but this is, um, I'll just take it out of its packet. It's really chunky. It's kind of made this way, misshapen, but that's copper. And you know it's heavy, heavy, really heavy. So that is an eight maravedis cob coin, dates uh, to the 17th century, 1621 to 65 under Philip the Fourth. And what would so, it,
2: oh gosh? And yeah, what, really would, what would this buy me at the time?
0: I don't know the answer to that. Right, I'm afraid. God it's I don't think that much. A night much. out in
1: Southwark. Yeah,
0: I don't think that Well, this, this wouldn't and have and been... treatment thrown in. Yeah, and treatment thrown in. I mean, this is copper. It's not... You find yeah. these in gold, and so not much. Um, so what I was going to mention was in Southwark, the stews. Um yes. So people, I think, people generally... Well, they... I was going to say, people know about the Jews. They might not if they're not interested in history. But it's quite a well-known thing that from the 11th to the 17th century, I think is the wide date range, there were licensed brothels in the Southwark area, lots of them. And they were licensed by the uh, the church, Protestant Church. It was the Bishop of London. Actually, before it was... So I don't know, mm, no, before the Reformation, I don't know. Let's just say the church. It was the Bishop of London, um, who is referenced as being the London's biggest pimp, basically. So there were these places called stews. They were mixed jacuzzis, like, a bit like bathhouses. And then they had private rooms as well. And the girls that worked in these stews were nicknamed the Winchester geese. Geese because they were... Uh, apparently squawking and shouting and kind of, you know, like a rab- rabble of women and sort of trying to get their voices heard. Uh, Winchester geese, because the Bishop of Winchester ran them, basically. Mm. Um, and did the church take a cut? Yes. So it was
1: a financial arrangement. It was a
0: financial arrangement. Or was it also an
1: attempt in some ways to regulate and, and look after their welfare? Am, am I being a bit too optimistic?
0: <sighs> Do you know, sometimes I used to say that, and then now when I read things that say oh well they didn't have it so badly i kind of bristle a little bit because i, I don't think mm. that they were being treated well for any kind of, out of the kindness yeah, of people's hearts really so i no. think that you know there was money money was at, at stake here and
2: and so the church's unethical investments yeah. go right back
0: yeah absolutely yeah, exactly. I never knew that. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, and there were rules and regulations about the geese. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there were there's a whole list of rules um, that have we have. have. Yeah, so there were so there were things the girls could do and the things they couldn't do. For for example, they couldn't grab men. So if they wanted to get some trade, they couldn't grab men. If they did, they'd be fined. I think it was twenty shillings. Um, so it's here we go. Yeah,
2: this is why they had to squawk,
0: is it? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe squawking at each other, maybe squawking at men. I'm not sure. But you've got all these rules here that I actually found on a really good website and I've forgotten the name of now, so sorry about that. I've pinched this from your website. Um, So protecting the girls, they they had rules for the girls. They had rules to protect the church. So, you know, they were licensing this behaviour, but they wanted it done in such a way that no one... Could accuse them, the church, of being sinful. I guess, but obviously this was this was sinful by their standards. Um, I'm just having a quick look. No stew holder to allow any whore. Okay, so the stew holders were the people that owned the houses. The the geese lived there. I don't think they paid rent, but they took the money in. The householder, I think, took a cut and then the kickback, I think, went to the church. Um, <clears throat> I've been trying recently to find out exactly how much they earn. Like, how much would it cost you for, for a night? Oh, and I couldn't, I haven't found out yet. The, the, um, so the wimps, so the men who came, the trade had to stay the night. That was oh. one of the rules. Oh, really? Yeah that was one of the rules. Why? So um because they d- the, the church didn't want them to be seen leaving you know after whatever whatever they'd done they didn't want them to be coming and going. It was seen to be a bit more conventional if the men came and they stayed and then hotel. left in the morning. Just yeah, so exactly. Oh, sorry. I've, I've in the... Yeah, like a hotel. Yeah, exactly. Um all
1: let's see if I can find. As
0: yeah, so what what so these points while you're that I
1: should just say anybody who's interested in this and it's incredibly um, fascinating stuff, you should go to the Instagram page of, yeah. of you. But it's not your name. It's, it's Old Father Thames, correct?
0: Old Father Thames. That's my Instagram. And also, uh, for my sins, I have a TikTok. Oh,
1: I think <laughs> you're the first TikTok. We're
2: getting very <laughs> yeah, modern, Andrew. I yes, guess well, yes, we should TikTok have Matt Han- Hancock on. He's oh, got a big yeah. TikTok.
0: Has he really? Mm. He's on there as well. as mm. yeah, well, he You should go them. to look at it
1: because not only does it have a great um, artist's illustration of the smoke enema, yeah it's got lots of really interesting social history based around these finds
0: yeah and uh youtube as well that's that's where i share like the longest uh format version
2: and can Um, you have sort of mudlark holidays can can, do people sort of go off to budapest or whatever well
0: this is this is dodgy ground as well actually i should have said to you there's lots of scandal just in in um, (laughs) mudlarking that people okay so Different countries, different laws apply. You're not really meant to... You wouldn't have your,
2: your certificate unless you could get a sort no. of... So our you can't permit get like a sort of rail terms. card equivalent, no. a month. <laughs>
0: go into railing, yeah. mudlark into railing. I don't think so, but, but it's very much frowned upon. People coming here, finding stuff, not declaring it, and then going back to wherever they're oh, visiting. From. Wealth yeah. tourism.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um so sorry, go back to the stews. No, it's right. I'm just trying to see if there's anything. So I find it really
1: interesting that they were... Obviously, hypocrisy kind of defines many of these peers. but they they sort of oh. wanted to take charge of the trade, make money from it, and, and yet still pretend it was somehow respectable. Yeah, 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 yeah. stuff um, and cover ups. It's always our, our theme.
0: This is the thing. We'll so say we'll go on to another top like something like that in a second, but I've just found one here. Oh God, I've lost it again. Um, No stew holder. It basically says no, no stew holder to allow any whore to work on his premises if he knows she is either pregnant or has the burning sickness. So the burning sickness is back to syphilis and actually more likely it's gonorrhea. Um so people did syphilis is always talked about, but actually lots of people had gonorrhea as well or instead of and the diseases, the, the STDs were just or STIs were just grouped together and called venereal distempers. distempers. So, And
2: that was true of both sexes, was mm, it? So presumably women were yeah. picking it up from their husbands who picked it up from prostitutes. Yeah, exactly.
0: And it was oh. just, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the cleanest of, no. just in general of times. There was, you know, str- uh, straw on the floor, matting and kind of yeah. to keep houses warm, which kind of spread illness. And, and would,
2: would the church have kept good records about these
0: stews? Well, I think So, because there would have been money and tax and changing Mm. hands. And I mean, we have these rules here. So it was all kind of above board, technically. Um, I'm going to pass you. Yes. And the women who
1: ended up in this situation, I'm sure, hardly ever, if ever, by
0: choice, would have
1: been what people who came to London looking for a new life and Mm fell into this. We're yeah, forced people, into it or just basically just poor women
0: just poor women maybe their husbands died and couldn't support them or you know just yeah maybe they were running away from and a horrible situation do we have any it's, sense of what
1: their lives were like from the things you've
0: found um not hmm, that's a tricky one um it's,
1: it's the customers who are dropping the money isn't
0: it yeah it's the customers who are dropping the money there are things we find related to industry that do give you an idea of what so for example there there was a um, there was a trade in pin making, which went from like 1400 to 1800. And pins were made by hand and pins were used. We went through thousands of them every year, hundreds of thousands, to do fasten our clothes up. So before buttons were everywhere and clasp hooks, we used pins to pin hoods and skirts. And so it was mainly women and children who were making these pins, uh, sharpening wire, uh, and then the pin head was attached separately, so it's like really minute, wow. tiny work. But the the item that a pinner would have would be a pinner's bone, which is a I didn't bring it today, but it's a it's a, um, a cow metacarpal, I think, squared off, um, shaved down, and then grooves were made in to put the. Put the wire in, and they would use this bone to rest the pin on to then to rest the wire on to then sharpen into a pin shape. So that was like Their pinners' bone was like their livelihood. It was just an old cow bone that had maybe come from a tannery or a butcher's place. Or I found a pinners, but I was I was looking for one for years, Um, and I found one last year. So I was really. Do you have a sort of checklist of your sort of bucket list? My top ones, yeah, Yeah. definitely. I just I just found one. What's on it? What's on it? Um, I would love, 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 love to find a poesy ring or a, a memento mori, so some kind of ring that was given. After death, or as a love contract of some kind, sweetheart ring—the more macabre, the better. That's that's my top. I found the other day a Catherine of Braganza cufflink. So it was Catherine of Braganza's marriage to Charles II, and there were these lovely cufflinks with intertwined hearts and things. They're like pewter um, like a souvenir for somebody. It's a yeah, it's like a, a commemorative. Royal souvenir. Exactly. Oh, I have a few of those. You just—you've just, just led me. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, Gosh, my mind's jumping about all over the place, actually. No, let you, where your mind jumps. Well, no, I was just thinking of this. Especially um, if it's in a scandalous direction. Okay, right. We'll go scandalous again. Um, I'll put these two scandalous things here. Here is, this is a very small uh, pewter badge. I'll take it out. It is a Veronica of Rome pilgrim badge. So this is a badge that a pilgrim on a pilgrimage would wear on his or her hat, um, attached to their cloak or their staff. And it really Gosh. is this like real exit through the gift shop kind of vibe <laughs> because they go on a pilgrimage. When they've done it, and this was a pilgrimage to Rome, don't forget. When they've done it, they so, buy... Yeah, you
1: do it like once in your life. Yeah, you?
0: yeah. it takes, it takes like so a year rich. or two. Yeah, and I mean, it's rife with dangers. You can get robbed on the way. You could die from going across the Alps or whatever. You know, it's this real big thing. So they bought these... Um, and would attach them to their hats and to show, you know, I've done my pilgrimage. I'm I'm a really good person here. I'm really devout. And but what's interesting about pilgrimages? I was reading last night. So this would have been going on at the same time as the stews and you know people visiting the church-licensed brothels. There were other people going on pilgrimages. They didn't only go, you know, for the love of the walk. They went maybe because they were trying to absolve their sins. Uh-huh. They were trying to show that you know what what how religious they were, and it was like a calling for them as well for some people. But some people literally went because they'd done stuff wrong. They'd done things that they shouldn't have done. Pilgrimage was a really big business, so I said the exit through the gift shop thing. Lots of people don't talk about the business model of pilgrimage, um, which is really interesting because it was highly competitive. So you'd have so the point of going on pilgrimage apart from to to be you know. Good religious person, you were granted something. I don't know in great detail, but you were granted something called indulgences, mm. which got you out of purgatory. It's like the hell of purgatory. If you went on these pilgrimages, you were more likely to not be lingering in like purgatory when you die. Exactly. Go and direct
1: to heaven. Go direct to heaven.
0: And when you went on pilgrimages, you were meant to, do, you, you were expected to take offerings and things to lay at the shrine so that so the so the work, you know, the church's work and the blessings would come through shrines which were relics like St. Peter's hand or so, I don't know if that's even one, but you know, like relics of saints. St. Saint Catherine's knee- kneecap. St. Catherine's kneecap, someone's yeah. toenails, someone's nose hair, whatever. And, and There were custodians of the relics who would look after these relics and they were uh, uh, trying to outdo each other. So in this country, so you had like pilgrimages, you could go to Canterbury, you could go to Reading, you could go to wherever… And all these places with their relics were trying to outdo each other with their miracles. And if 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 Canterbury became really popular, all of a sudden someone in Reading would be like, "Oh my God, Peter's toenails are jumping up and down!" Or you know, there would be statues this kind are of, crying, statues all over the place. are weeping. Yeah. yeah, come here. You know, someone's some a blind person's just been made to see that kind of thing. And at the heart of it, I think you know is again money and um, a business and a franchise of. Uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem, it seems to me, scandalous. <laughs> it right. doesn't seem ethical. You and Martin Luther it's, both. Yeah, right. Absolute <laughs> I mean, good old Martin the, Luther. I mean, it
1: was one of the big driving forces of the Reformation, yeah, all this stuff, as, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: and the sacrament. And I think, you know, and, and yeah, that whole kind of um, keeping keeping the verses, the scriptures away from the public. Exactly, like. You know, not trading, allowing... trading access to... Trading access, The yeah. afterlife, effectively. Absolutely, yeah. And um,
1: ab- absolving of your sins for money, yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of money... I've only got five oh, minutes, yeah. so let's have Oh, gosh, one right. One last... Right, one last Naughty thing. thing. Well, okay, here we go. Let's end on... Um, it doesn't have to be naughty. Really. It's not... Well, it's naughty and it's corrupt. It's corruption. These, these things here, they're little... Again, we find lots of lead and pewter items. These are cloth seals. These are lead... Uh, Cloth dyers seals I'm not
1: holding these things that, yeah. been, that are hundreds of years so old. So they're
0: seventeenth century. Do this at the British Museum. No, exactly. <laughs> well, you can, but they throw you out. <laughs> Interactive. Yeah, yes. Get out. They're seventeenth century. It's like
1: a carving of a leaf or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they were affixed to. So these are quality control items, and this is where the saying "seal of approval" comes from. These are seals. Oh my goodness! That were stamped. With um, an insignia, either of uh, an official. In this case, these seals here. These are alnages. You can hardly see. If you hold them in a certain light, you might be able to see a thistle. There's a William the Third alnages. Just, um, oh, I can't hear yes. a seal.
2: And when you find these things, yeah. how do you clean them? I mean, because there's a danger that you you damage them. <laughs> yeah, I do damage stuff sometimes. These. Actually,
0: these so <laughs> yeah. Um, there are different methods. You can use electrolysis, which is like battery powered zapping. You can, I favour a good old saliva and. Aluminium foil for lots of these finds. Silver is really good to clean with. And you know it's silver if it smells of eggs. But so these these um these Alnages seals, Alnages were um, officers of the crown. And they were given seals to approve cloth, which was a huge trade, massive industry cloth dealing. And they would um, stamp these seals onto each individual cloth piece that was being sold like a big textile piece they would check the quality they would measure the size of it and then it would go the thing is <laughs> these <laughs> hell natures Some of them were very, very corrupt. Um, I'm sure some of them were nice people. I don't think it's to do with the actual job title itself. I think it's just because it was like a job that they could be given, friends in high places. There was one alnager I was researching recently called John Canninges of Bristol. I think his father, William Canninges, had something to do with the church. Uh, He was very well respected. John obviously was going to then end up with a good job because why not nepotism? He was a bailiff, he was um a mayor I think and an alderman of Bristol. He, when he first became an alnager, the Abbey of the St. Augustine's Abbey in Bristol took out, um, they wanted him investigated essentially for riotous assembly. I don't know exactly what his problem was, but he was rioting and he ended up locking some of the cannons from the Abbey mills in, in a room. He basically held them in a room. I, I don't know what he wanted, but him, he and his acolytes basically blocked off all their water source they were, they were like under siege. He lost his Alnayser ship, but he was very good friends with a chap called Henry Bolingbroke, who would then become King Henry IV. Ah, mm. handy. Handy. He was before long reinstated as Alnayser. Hen- Henry, Henry Bolingbroke stu- stu- um, got stuck in and uh, put him back in the job, basically. There's another guy, Francis Langley. He owned the Swan Playhouse um, in Southwark. And so he was pals with Shakespeare. It was around that time. He was a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well from an all-right family. He trained as a goldsmith. He got booted off his course, I think, for his He's quite a mysterious guy, but it was called his indiscretions. Yeah. He was booted off his apprenticeship. he was friends with Elizabeth the spymaster general um Walsingham Francis Walsingham, who managed to to uh, get him get Francis Langley into an all-nagership of the City of London. Now, as soon as he became an all-nager, there were loads of law, uh, loads of lawsuits. He was in trouble all over the place. The Justice of the Peace, who was quite corrupt in himself, took out a lawsuit against him. Um, yeah, yeah. Again, not a great guy, <laughs> but all also these
1: amazingly famous people linked all, to
0: these little tokens. Yeah, all that they to made these, their
1: money selling. Yeah, exactly. Or kickbacks or
2: whatever. I,
0: kickbacks. Or yeah,
2: yeah. I'm interested in the history of mudlarks. I mean, presumably mm. people have been going onto the foreshore and picking up stuff right back to medieval time or before.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know about. It's not. I mean, Henry Mayhew documented it in the Victorian period. So you, so with his uh, uh, London Poor, mm. the the, lab, the survey of London Poor, he um, documented it. I mean I I don't know beyond that. People have always been finding stuff in rivers I guess and selling them on and you know not now but before for a living. Um mudlarks in the just after the second world war, you know that there's a there's a really famous celebrated mudlark or he's a he's an archaeologist called Ivan Ol Hume and he has a book that's really hard to get hold of about mudlarking. Um and he described the the foreshore after the war period as just a, like nature's trinket box mm. and people went down there and just plundered and <laughs> it was not regulated and um yeah so that that was there so it's always
2: that was an easy way to make money you talk you know we and yeah. we, we, um, did Dickens write about this for example
0: Dickens Dickens and Mayhew were very good friends, and they borrowed Henry Mayhew, London Labour and the London Poor. They they kind of borrowed off each other. So Mayhew interviewed a lot of people, including like costermongers, like flower sellers, uh, coffee shop people. He interviewed a couple of mudlarks. Uh, Dickens wrote about a mudlark in Our Mutual Friend, but his mudlarks were more like they were they they were actually collecting bodies that had tumbled into the river, and they were. Before they were bringing them on shore, like pilfering whatever was in their pockets and selling oh, that. Yeah. So I don't really know where that is. I guess it. another that... reason
1: why some of those coins in front of you yeah. may have ended up in yeah, the absolutely. Out of I mean, things. Yeah. Yeah. might have fallen off a bridge we, or been pushed.
0: Absolutely. We find so many things like uh, musket balls. We find musket balls that have been fired and, you know, they've wow. splattered against the Yeah, there's so much stuff. I mean, you know we, we, like, should,
1: so we shouldn't sorry. leave this conversation yeah. until mock will never. Oh, yeah. will not forgive us oh, unless yeah. we mention the Molly House.
0: The Molly House. By the way, Mock is the,
1: the yeah. great the gay Aristo. The gay Aristo um, who was in Mark. our previous episodes and has a brilliant website?
0: Yeah, Mock's great. We mutual do a friend. lot of videos together. Yeah, our mutual friend, we do a lot of videos together. And because there's all this crossover between history and he, you know, he doesn't spend a lot of time in the mud like I do, but our history links up. Um so Molly Houses, um, yes, I actually wrote a big thing to write, and rambling on, I forgot to say they were places where men could meet men could meet other men they were places of they were safe spaces for men to meet and have relationships sexual relationships or or like long also stories. in the liberties also it's in the liberties the realm yeah, of exactly rules. yeah in the liberties there were a couple of famous ones mother claps molly house there was Suki bevels molly house and some of the patrons um they uh, sukie bevels they had what was called maiden names so there was um okay so men they would they would dress you know very effeminately they would put makeup on um they were in drag almost but they were kind of living their their other life
2: and what period are we talking about again georgians
0: um jo- well so it started off in the 16th century and then it when it was mint the liberty was the mint then it kind of went away but then it was resurrected again in the 18th 19th century the mint became the old mint and again was a was like a liberty um they had these maiden names. So they had names like Dip Candle Mary and Black Eyed Leonora. And their really effeminate names and girly names did not um, relate to what their day to day was. So they could have been, there was one, one chap that was called, like described as a Herculean coal heaver. He was a bargeman. Um, they had really kind of like brutish masculine jobs in the day. And then by night, we'd go to the Molly houses um and 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 take on these other personalities and And absolutely tolerated not totally did
2: the bishop of winchester approve
0: i don't know actually Mm. because then see this is funny when we talk about the bishop of winchester there must have been there were many Mm. so the first one who did who sorted the geese out isn't the same as the one and you know it's hundreds of years years. Yeah, yeah exactly um no, it so wasn't it's, really. It's like, tolerated. Don't ask, don't tell. Maybe. I think that these, there was sometimes there were rooms within other establishments. So it was like a coffee house, it was like a front. And then in the back room, there was the Molly house in the back room. Um, there was a really, I think James Dalton was his name. He was a high woman. And he, Soon he he was a criminal. He was eventually hanged, but he worked out he could extort money out of the mollies by oh. kind of pretending to be their friends, and then it's saying, "Listen, I'm going to expose this molly house unless you give me X, Y, and Z." Tell everybody that at night you like yeah, to dress up, yeah, So protection exactly. racket, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, this guy was hanged, and he was a, like. Bad, bad guy <laughs> but um yeah so he'd go and pick their pockets and yeah
1: tragic in a way that that was the only way they could express themselves of but, course but yeah also i suppose at least they had that but they
0: had yeah within that there were cases of um them marrying you know having these ceremonies which weren't legal men marrying, other men. men marrying other men and they i don't know if they were both dressed as women or one was a woman one was you know because they, they did dress up in wigs and um yep they married it wasn't Legal, but they—they they offic- you know. They had, to all intents and purposes, a marriage with clerks and people signing the bans, and oh, that's amazing. Well,
2: jump, jumping around a bit, but I mean, I'm mm. intrigued by what you might find modern day things in the river. I mean, are, yeah. are, are there some pretty gruesome discoveries? Yeah. Do you yeah. find? I mean. Bodies? Gums. Guns? Bodies?
0: Yeah, yeah, we do. I have luckily, thankfully, have never found a body. My friend uh, Steve, who's a model arc of 40 years standing, he recently found uh, a yeah, suicide man who died, suit young man. He found his body. Um, we do find skulls and things. They're often very, very old, like hundreds of years old. Um Guns, knives—always have, have to talk, tell the police. Have when you find to tell the, the police. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not meant to move it. Um, to leave it where it is. Call the police. Uh, if it's ordnance, so bullets and things, you, you're not meant to take them at all if they're live. Are uh, we, we're told to sort of throw them far into the river again if it's like little bullets. If you find a gun, obviously police straight away um
2: i mean there must yeah. be a lot of stuff from from the bombing in the second world war loads lo- loads so what are the sort of things you find there
0: um from second world war we find shell cases we find bombs again you have to get the bomb squad in um a couple of friends of mine found bombs uh these these are usually east where the uh, bomb factories were and there were canaries you know the women who used to fill the shell cases and so there were, there were munitions factories out east um what else? Yeah, we've, we find lots and lots of shrapnel um, from ground to air um, missiles. So I love shrapnel. Cleans up really nicely. It's always mangled, twisted. It's something you might get a fuse timer. Um, that's always really These cool. These are the shells
1: that were fired up at the planes. Up at the planes, And then they fall back down, come down, down, exactly.
0: down the river. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love finding those. I found, see, we call modern anything from like early 20th century till now. So I found the other day, and the reason why my hands currently are never really that clean, I found an axe head that I've been cleaning for the last four days And it's stamped with a broad arrow. So that's government property generally is broad arrow. So it could be Ministry of Defence, it could fire brigade, it could be anything. And it's got four notches in. Um, So, yeah, I need to research this. And how often
2: would you go mudlarking and how often would you find something?
0: I go once a week, pretty much. I find something every time. Uh, I find something amazing maybe once every three goes. You know, it's what every three, well, every three, weeks. every three goes, mate. Yeah, every, that's every not bad. three. So, how yeah. big is your collection? Pretty big. <laughs> yeah. But as you can see, there are lots of really tiny, tiny things. Um, there are other things that, you know, some people wouldn't find amazing. So, I might find a piece of pottery that's got an interesting fabric, and someone would think, well, What is that lump? or we don't care, you know, but it might say something about a building that was in that area or, um, so it really depends. I always find something interesting because it's
2: interesting that, I mean, pottery, for example, seems mm. to survive. I it mean, does, yeah, you know, which is extraordinary. I mean, going back,
0: yeah. Roman pottery, especially. Um, there are a couple. Of, I don't know why this is happened, but a couple of mudlarks I know have found Roman. Um, they're like offerings, and they're Venus sculptures. Which have these beautiful bottoms, and you know they're like these lovely little. Um, I think they were made in Gaul, and they are clay sculptures of Venus with a lovely bottom and breasts. And somebody brought all the way to yeah to London, so they came from Roman Gaul, came to London, uh, Roman Londinium, like forty five AD to four ten, I think it is.
2: And so, do Montlux, um pass on their 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 collections to their families onto museums? I mean. Because I mean, if if yeah. you've got all this material, I mean, what are you going to do with it?
0: Um, yeah. Well, they do pass on their collections. Um, a veteran mudlark I know called Graham de Hume has just passed on his 400 Tudor knife pieces to um, the Society of Cut- the Worshipful Company of Cutlers. So um, all these knives have gone there. People do give stuff over. I mean, there is stuff that gets destroyed because. There's there's nowhere to keep it. For example, there's a huge kiln, like a massive kiln in Woolwich. Um, there wasn't a personal collection, but it, it was discovered. That eventually had to be destroyed because there was nowhere to keep this kiln—it's like yeah. the size of this room, you know. And has, has it changed
1: you doing this? I mean, has it changed your view of London, of history?
0: Uh oh, hasn't changed my... Yeah, I suppose so. It's this It's kind quite of... an
1: unusual thing to dedicate so much well,
2: of your life to. All these medical yeah. things, which are completely new, presumably.
0: Yeah, all the what? Sorry, all. The... Well,
2: discovering all these medical treatments and things, which yeah. might, it brought you into subjects you might not. Be it does. Yeah,
0: it does. I mean, I've always personally, I've always liked searching for answers for things, for for clues for things. I'm quite nosy. I like to know why. You know why we're here what we're doing what why people what motivates humans and so whether it's looking through old books whether it's junk shops whether it's mud larking that's what i like to do but yes to experience london at that level like in the river so you know when you're up above at ground level the river's full usually like 7 meters down full And then, so that's one kind of London. If you go down to the foreshore, and anyone is allowed to walk on the foreshore, I should say, you can walk down there. Um, Just don't search if you haven't got a permit. Um, When you're down there, it's like this liminal zone of... Past, present,
2: this. It, it shows you uh, how you know, close a, the, our past yeah, is to the present. Yeah. All the say. secrets of yeah,
0: the dark all city. All the secrets of the dark city. Yeah, especially the areas I go to. It's very, you know, it's it kind of rather romantic, I have to say. It is romantic. Yeah, it's exciting. And there's always the opportunity. You know, you might spot something or.
1: So do you go there at night? I mean, no,
0: I don't. People do. Yeah. Um, I prefer to, I think just because the way my mind works, I like to flit around and kind of. Look in one spot, then jump to another spot. And if you go at night, it's really concentrated. You need a head torch and you get much smaller areas that you concentrate on. Lots of people I know do go at night, um, but it's quite a solitary pursuit. I like to be on my own mudlarking. Most people I know do. I wouldn't go down to the foreshore at night in no way.
2: (laughs) People do, but, you know. Do you, I mean, presumably you all have particular interests and and, and, and they talk about the collection of knives. I mean, do people swap material in order, say, I'll give you two two of these coins and return for something else
0: (laughs) they do actually I think they do Um, yeah they do Uh, there are things I like extremes I like really small objects and then like really large objects too so I go from real kind of extremes. I think you've fired
1: our own th- Should we get down there this evening? <laughs>
0: yes. well, the oh, I like very... spending a bit
1: of time in the mud.
0: Well, <laughs> you might be in trouble with the PLA if you do go yeah. down no, well, How Well, long? well, we'll no, we're not going to give a submission. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how are we going <laughs> to get not. our passes? I mean, we've got to wait. You've got to wait, yeah. yeah. It's an indefinite thing. But due to people, uh, well, the popularity could, has... could we take yours? What, what's that? Does it have
2: a photo on it? It does, yeah. All oh, right. I couldn't so take it's, my... It's
0: very, very strict. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an indefinite pause. So, well, I were, hope you've excited the listeners as well because it's such an incredible. I never thought, I so. well, I, I hadn't
1: really thought about mudlarking, to be perfectly honest, much no? until today. And now I think it's just the most fascinating way of learning the truth about. The well, it's a sort well, of archaeology, really, isn't it? It
0: is, yeah. It's, it's, essentially, it's amateur archaeology. Not all archaeologists like us. Some are very supportive. Others are not so much. It's, uh, Why
2: not? Because they think you damage things? Yeah, uh, or, I think so. I think, things. I
0: think, that, I think we're untrained um, essentially so that's the opinion
2: Um, but as long as you liaise with them and Mm -hmm. I mean presumably you take photographs of things in situ take photos
0: and we do yeah we do exactly
2: so I mean this is stuff they wouldn't be doing so it wouldn't this stuff wouldn't be found without you
0: there is that I mean there are archaeologists working down there as well so it's kind of a bit of both but yeah we exactly we are saving the history that's down there that's exactly what it is Um, yeah a lot and more power to your digging! Oh, yeah. and I should really quickly mention the Society of Thames Mudlarks. We can't really get into that because we've no time. But they are uh, 50 members of a society that was set up in the at the end of the 70s, and they have um, uh, they have digging rights as well. God! But so when they were they,
2: developing Canary Wharf, for example, mm, and, the, and, yeah. and 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 around there, there must have been a lot of finds. Yeah,
0: there? there were, and also there were tales at the time. I mean, these were the good old days that people talk about of people following the, the trucks out of London that were taking the spoil from the digs and then they'd follow those trucks to see where the spoil was being dumped and then they'd go over it with a metal detector and try and save items that way. Gosh. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's a great story as for another here, time, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I could go on we forever. We could come back. Going, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, you find anything interesting <laughs> as interesting <your>, uh, <laughs> as your naughty uh,
1: medical treatment. Yes, do thank do come you. back and tell us. And thank you very much. Anyway. And thank you so much. Well,
0: thank you for cool. having me. And yes. thanks to Mock, actually, for putting us in touch. To and Yeah.
1: And, and please Old Father Thames Old
0: Father Thames on Instagram
1: yeah. on YouTube and this new thing called TikTok TikTok yeah it'll never catch on yeah, no, I doubt it. it
0: never catch on thanks a lot <laughs> thank you bye Bye-bye. Bye. thank
2: you for listening to the Scandalmongers podcast this has been a Podcast World production you can get in contact with our show by emailing team at podcastworld.org placing Scandalmongers in the heading or via our social media links within the show's bio